Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. For the past several Sundays, when I've preached, uh, I've preached a counterpart series. A counterpart is a scripture passage in the New Testament that when you read it, it reminds you, gives you kind of a deja vu moment of some Old Testament passage. And today I want to continue that series by looking first at something that that we call the Passover in the book of Exodus. Chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Now the children of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years. A good bit of that time toward the end was in slavery. And they had prayed to be free. And God sent Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. God inflicted the Egyptians with nine different plagues, and yet Pharaoh didn't let the people go. But there was one more plague to go, and this time Pharaoh would let them go. Chapter 11, verse 4. So Moses says, this is what the Lord says, About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. And then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Now turn to the next chapter in Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Skip to verse 5. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats and take care of them until the 14th day of the month. And when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. The same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, the legs, and the internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak 
tucked in your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And skip to verse 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I want you to get that. When I see you, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And then skip to verse 29. Same chapter, verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was a loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. Then skip to verse 46. It must be eaten inside the house. Talking about this Passover lamb. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house and do not break any of the bones. Do not break any of its bones. Now what I just read for you is what we call the Passover. It was the last plague that God inflicted upon the Egyptians before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, finally let the Israelites leave Egypt and head toward the promised land. It was a plague like no other because God would send the angel of death down into Egypt and in every house, the angel of death would strike the firstborn male child in every household. The only exception would be that God said you are to take a a male lamb without blemish, without defect, and you're to kill that lamb and take the blood of that lamb and smear it on the doorpost. That seems awfully uh, horrific to us in our culture. But it was not at all horrific to them in their culture. But God said, when I send the angel of death into Egypt, when the angel sees the blood applied to the door frames, he will pass over you. That's where we get the term Passover. And not only that, but God told Moses to tell the people of Israel that they would, they were to honor and remember this date. Every year they were to celebrate the Passover. And so that was somewhere around 16, 1500 BC. And then you jump all the way, probably 14, 15, uh, 1600 years into the future and you have Jesus. And the New Testament writers connect Jesus to the Passover lamb. So much so that they call him the Passover lamb. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the baptizer is talking about Jesus. And we find in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The apostle Paul also connected Jesus to the Passover. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says, for, for rid, rid yourselves of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. And then he says this, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. 
And then over in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Though you believe in through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. And so what you have these New Testament writers saying is this, that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is connected in some way to the death of the lamb on Passover. And I want to show you five parallels that show how these two are connected one to another. First off, I want you to note that the caliber or the quality of the sacrifices in both the Passover sacrifice and Jesus' death on the cross were the same. The caliber of the sacrifices was the same. First off, the Passover sacrifice uh, was to be a male lamb without defect. It couldn't have a blemish. It couldn't be lame. It had to be absolutely spotlessly perfect. And so the Passover lamb uh, was of the caliber of without blemish, but also Jesus was without blemish. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a man just like any of us are human beings, except for one thing. The writer of Hebrews says, yet he was without sin. Jesus was blameless. And it had to be that way because anybody else going to the cross would not have been sufficient to pay the price for your sin and mine. It had to be God, and he was God, and it had to be a sinless person, and Jesus Christ himself was that. Not only was the, the, uh, the sacrifice in the Passover and of Jesus on the, on Calvary's cross, not only was it to be without blemish, but the bones of both of them were not to be broken. In verse 46, uh, I read to you in, in Exodus chapter 12 where it says that the lamb was to be uh, eaten inside the house. Don't take any of the meat outside the house. But Moses added this, do not break any of the bones of that lamb. Well, the Bible says in the gospel of John that as the, uh, as the Sabbath appeared, the Sabbath started at six o'clock on Friday. Remember that uh, the, the Jewish people did not calculate days the way we do. We figure from midnight to midnight is a day. Uh, well, the Jews started a new day at 6 p.m. and going all the way to 6 p.m. the next day. And so that was the, that was the Passover day. And you say, well, where do they get that? They get that from Genesis 1 where it says the evening and the morning were the first day and the evening and the morning were the second day and so forth. And so here we are on Passover day. Jesus is sacrificed and the Bible says that, uh, uh, as the soldiers came to Jesus and there were, other, there were, there were, uh, was a thief on each side of Jesus. And one thing they did not want, they did not want them still hanging on the cross during the Sabbath, when the Sabbath got here, because it was very important to the Jewish people that nobody be doing anything, nobody be doing any work, including a certain number of steps on the Sabbath. It just wasn't allowed. And so they wanted to get the prisoners down before the Sabbath started at six o'clock. And in order to do that, sometimes they had to break the legs of the prisoners so that as they were hanging, their lungs would collapse and they would literally asphyxiate. 
And so the, John says that they, the soldiers came to the first thief and they broke his legs. And the, then the, the soldiers went to the second thief and they broke his legs. But when they came to Jesus, John says he was already dead. They never broke his bones. And so the Passover lamb had no bones broken and Jesus, the Passover lamb, had no, no bones broken. So the caliber of both sacrifices was the same. Second, both sacrifices were made on the same day of the year. It was the Passover when Moses had the children of Israel to sacrifice that that uh, male lamb without defect and put their blood on the doorpost. That was the very first Passover. Every year after that, they were to commemorate that day, the Passover. That lamb was slain on Passover. Well, when was Jesus slain? All four of the gospel writers tell us that Jesus was slain on Good Friday. Good Friday was the Passover. It started on 6 o'clock of what we would call Thursday, and it lasted until 6 o'clock on what we would call Friday. But from 6 o'clock Thursday to 6 o'clock Friday was Passover, and Jesus was sacrificed. He was, he was killed on the cross on the same day of the year, Passover. They were about 1,500 years difference between that first Passover lamb and Jesus, the Passover lamb, but on, they were both sacrificed on the same day of the year. Number three, both sacrifices required the shedding of blood. Well, that's pretty obvious. Whenever the Passover lamb was slain, uh, Moses told them they ha- there had to be blood applied to the doorpost, and so there was the shedding of blood. When Jesus died, the Bible says that he shed his blood so that we could have eternal life. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says this. He says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. And so blood had to be shed. The Passover lamb's blood was shed, but Jesus' blood was shed. And we are symbolically washed by His blood, from our sin, when we come to receive Him as our Savior and our Lord. Both sacrifices required the shedding of blood. Number four, both sacrifices were used by God to gain freedom for people who could not free themselves. If the Israelites could have freed themselves, they would have done so. They had been there way longer than they ever wanted to be in Egypt. They had been there 430 years. Much of that during at least the last probably 100 to 120 years, they were in captivity in Egypt. They wanted to be free. They were constantly crying out to God to free them. But they couldn't do it. No matter how good their leaders were, the Israelite leaders, no matter, no matter how, how uh, they might try to trick the Egyptians, they couldn't get free until God sent Moses and he ordered Moses to have the Israelite people sacrifice the Passover lamb. And it was that Passover in which the firstborn of every household, the firstborn male of every household that did not have the blood on the doorstop The firstborn was killed, including Pharaoh's own son. And so Pharaoh was more than willing to have these people to leave. Get out. I want you out. The Passover sacrifice was God's instrument to secure freedom for the children of Israel. But I'll tell you something that's more important. There is a slavery that is far worse than the Egyptian slavery. There is a a captivity that puts the Egyptian slavery to shame. And that slavery is our, all of our slavery to sin. 
Every one of us, the Bible says, are born into sin. And given enough time, every one of us will commit sin. There's not a person in this building and there's not a person on this planet who has not sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse uh, chapter 3 and verse 23. So we're all sinners. We're slaves to our sin. But when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood as the, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he did so so that we could be freed from our captivity to sin, from our slavery to sin. Both sacrifices were God's instruments to free his people from captivity when they could not free themselves. And number five, in each sacrifice, there was a response required by the people. When the death angel came into Egypt, his order was to execute the firstborn male in every single household, with one exception. Any person who had killed the Passover lamb and applied the blood to their door frame, that, that household was passed over. But let me tell you something. Let's suppose there was some Israelite there and that Israelite said, well, you know, uh, I don't really want to, I don't want to sacrifice a lamb. I don't want to go to all that trouble. And our neighbors, both sides to the left and to the right, they're doing it. And, and you know what? Uh, we don't have to do that. God will probably see that we're right here with this bunch and, and he'll pass over us too. Guess what? That's not what happened. Every household, Egyptian and Israelite, that did not have the blood applied, death struck that household. You see, you see, in order for the Passover lamb to be a sacrifice that was effective for, for anybody, they had to respond by receiving that lamb into their household, taking the blood of that lamb and applying it on the door frames. If they didn't do that, then death came in their household. Now, the same thing is true. In fact, it's even more true and, and way more important with the Passover lamb who is Jesus. You and I are slaves to sin. You and I lean towards sinning. That's just the way we all are. It's the way I am. That's the way you are. I don't care if Billy Graham leans towards sinning. But when Jesus died on the cross, he did everything that was necessary to make it possible for us to have eternal life, both here on earth and in heaven when we die. However, there is a response required on our part. We have to receive, symbolically, we have to receive the Lamb of God into our hearts. And we have to symbolically have his blood applied to the, to the door frame of our hearts. We have to invite Jesus into our hearts. I, I, I love the video that we had of, uh, of church, little church inviting Christ into our life. Folks, it just doesn't get any more beautiful than that, any plainer than that. When you know that you're a sinner, and you you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you believe that he was raised from the dead to give you life, and you invite Jesus into your heart, the Bible says that is what salvation is. It is how salvation starts. It's how a relationship with Jesus starts. The real question, though, is, have you experienced that? You know, I think it would be a critical shame, a tragedy even, 
for someone to be in a setting like this and hear the music of praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like what you've heard and celebrate the Lord's Supper in such a powerful way as we have and walk away from here without ever having invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior and your Lord. I think it would be a tragedy. This is Easter Sunday. It is the Sunday we commemorate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior who died on the cross but rose again from the dead to give us life. Has there ever been a time in your life when you know you invited Christ into your life to save you, to be your Lord and Savior? In just a moment, we're going to have our invitation which will near us to the conclusion of this service. But I, I, I urge you, I beg you even, when you stand up to sing, I urge you not to think about it being the conclusion of this service. I, I urge you to search your own heart and see where you stand before God. It may be that you need to invite Christ into your life, and we invite you to do that. We want to help you do it if you want us to help you do it. Ask the Lord Jesus into your heart. Maybe you're already saved. And you're thinking about you're thinking about joining the church. Listen, Jesus died for the church. He died. He gave his life for his church. He loves the church and he wants everybody to be a part of his church as it is expressed in the local church, such as right here. We invite you to come. Whatever is on your heart to do, I bid you to come. But especially if you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life, I bid you to come. Let's stand as we pray and get ready to worship. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You, Lord, for being our Passover lamb. Lord, we are slaves. We're not slaves to the Egyptians. We're not slaves to the Babylonians. We're slaves to sin. And we are helpless to save ourselves from this slavery. But Lord, I, I thank You that You paid the price that we might have life. You gave your life so that if we would just simply receive you as our Savior and our Lord, we could have everlasting life. Lord, I pray that today would be the greatest day in somebody's life for the decision they make regarding you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.